Amen. Well, hey, it's good to be here today. It's good to be here in your midst. I'm honored and blessed to be with all of you. And uh, hey, just to double up on what Dr. Fred said there, God asks us to do what is possible, and he'll take care of the impossible, and it is possible to pray. So you should pray. Our infirmities become God's opportunities to reveal his glory. And so even in the midst of this right now, God wants to reveal his glory even through it. So I'm excited to see what God is doing in your midst. He has deposited some grace in all of your lives that I'm just, I'm excited to see what's going to happen with you all. Dr. Fred, thank you for having me, by the way, and I'm just uh, blessed to be here. And um, as, as, as he said, I have the honor of serving Freedom Church in Lotport, New York, married to my wife, Jenny, of uh, over 17 years now, got five kids, and um, they keep us tired and, well, tired, all right? Uh, that's just how that works. But enough about me. Let's get to it this morning. I want you to turn, if you got your Bibles, to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Go all the way to the end of the book and uh, hang out there just for a moment. We're going to get to that in, in a few minutes. Um, but uh, as you're getting there, uh, does anybody know what this is right here? It is a passport. I hope you know what this is. This is a mission school. You might need one of these one day, all right? So uh, that might be on a final exam somewhere. I don't know. But hey, this is a passport. And um, a couple years ago, I was leading a, a group on a tour in Israel. And this trip was somewhat special. I'd been there a couple times before doing some tours and all that kind of stuff. But this trip was special because my younger sister decided that she was going to go on this trip with me. And uh, so I had the privilege of kind of leading her through uh, Israel, and she was going to get married later on that year. So it was kind of like this, you know, big brother moment, you know what I'm saying? And, and so um, I, was, I was really looking forward to it, and, and as she was there, you know, I was, I, was doing, I, was, I was doing a little extra for her. You know, I had a lot of people I had to take care of, but a little extra for her, you know, I was making sure that she was good, everything was good with her and all that kind of stuff. And we had an amazing trip. It was a great group of people. But just like every trip, it came to an end. And uh, our first flight on the way back would be touching down in Vienna. And then from there, we'd be going to JFK in New York. And um, as we're about to land, uh, about 15 minutes beforehand, I noticed my little sister, she's in her seat, and she's rummaging through her, her, her bag and her purse She's getting a little bit nervous. She's starting to make me nervous, right? And I'm like, what is going on? What's going on? She's like, I can't find my passport. And in my passport was my tickets. So you better believe I grabbed that bag and I started rummaging through it and looking all through it. I couldn't find anywhere. We got up, we looked through all the seats, we looked in the pockets, we looked up and down the aisles, we talked to the stewardess, all of this kind of stuff. We could not find her passport. We were about to land in Vienna, coming back to the States. What was going to happen is we talked to the stewardess, and, and, uh, you know, and it, was, it was gone. I mean, we could not find it anywhere. And how could it be gone? Sweet Lord Jesus, where is this passport? At this point, uh, we, we, we kind of assumed that somebody stole her passport. You know, we couldn't find it anywhere. And the, the stewardess contacted the gate back from where we came from. They didn't find anything. Nothing was reported, anything like that. And when we got to Vienna, we had about an hour wait time before we had to board the next plane. And, and so I'm starting to race through this. You know, I've got, I've got a whole group of people this tour that I got to get back to the States. I got my younger sister who cannot find her passport or her tickets. 
I had a wedding that I had to do the very next day that I had to be back for, right? Don't want to mess them up. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what, how is this going to work? We, 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 we rush through the, the different lines. We're trying to talk to these different people and they're talking German. We couldn't understand anything that they were saying. Finally, we get to this desk where this guy, he talks English. You know, actually we talked to this lady first and she basically started talk, telling, making calls. She's like, she's going to have to stay in the, in the embassy here. Until we, we figure this out and we're thinking, oh my goodness, like I can't leave my little sister here in, in Vienna. You know, I mean, this is, this is my little sister. What, you know, this, this is crazy. And so, so we, were, we were going through all this different stuff, all these different ideas. We had a couple on the trip that said they would stay with her and it was, we were just trying to figure everything out. And then this guy came who was kind of like the head honcho and he started making calls to New York City. And, 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 and with about 10 minutes left before our flight was going to board, New York City said, you can put her on the plane and, and, and you can go. We, don't, we have no idea how that happened. I mean, other than the fact that our whole group was praying at that point and, and, and God just somehow allowed her to get on this plane without her passport, without her tickets. You know, I mean, there's quite a, a security measure that goes on in airports these days. You know, that, that's, that was miraculous in, in that, and so we're running down the corridor. We're going through these extra security measures that they're telling us that we got to go through. We board the plane. We sit down. We look at each other and say, I can't believe it. And no sooner did I look at her and say that as I just happened to look down at her bag that was on the floor. She had this front pocket that was open. And in this front pocket was another pocket, a secret pocket. And I look at my sister, Sabrina. What's, what's that? She looked down, her eyes, her eyes wide open. It's her passport and her tickets. When she put it in that initial pocket, there was this other pocket inside that she didn't even know that she had. And we found her passport. But listen, that wasn't the easy way to do things, all right? But the point of the story is don't lose what defines you. Don't lose what defines you. It was only by God's hand that my little sister was able to get on this plane without her passport and, and, her, and, her, and her ticket. But obviously, it would have been much easier if we would have had that. It would have been a much easier process. Don't lose what defines you. Don't, don't complicate the process. Don't complicate the culture that Jesus Christ has invested into your life by comparing it to other people by trying to go here and there, by trying to do something that God has not called you to do. You're defined by what heaven has declared, not what the world has assumed. And your definition, it comes from Christ and Christ alone, not the environment of which you grew up, not how the world has labeled you, not, not how, what you think or believe about yourself, not how gifted you are and the abilities that you have, not the affluence that you have. You're seated in heavenly places with Christ. You, 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 you died to yourself and now you're hidden with Christ Jesus. In Christ you have obtained an inheritance. Christ's divine power has granted you everything for life and for godliness. It's it's no longer you who live, but it's Christ who lives in you. You are crucified with him. He has deposited something in your life. Don't lose what defines you. Christ defines you. He's given you a kingdom passport. Guard it. It doesn't, doesn't just represent your identity, but your citizenship. 
You have a new citizenship, and that's why you can pray now with authority. As Dr. Fred just led us in that prayer, he prayed with authority because he has a kingdom passport. He has a citizenship that is not of this world. It's from heaven. Philippians 3.20 says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, a passport doesn't just describe a person or identify a person. It also identifies a culture, a culture from which that person comes from. If you live in the United States and you have a passport, that passport identifies you as a citizen of the United States. You represent a culture, a country, a nation. My passport tells me that I'm from America, anybody else who looks at it. Now we seem to be in a a season right now in our country where we're a bit confused about our culture and our identity as a nation. But by and large, America is a culture with hope, opportunity, and freedom infused in her. A culture is a system of beliefs behaviors, relational boundaries that show the essence of life in any particular group of people. You have a culture yourself. Do you know that? Jesus has deposited a kingdom culture in your life, and he wants to expand that. He wants to take what he's deposited in you and expand that for his kingdom. He's placed a culture within all of us, but we can't lose what describes us. We can't lose what we've been called to represent. We can't lose what we've been called to give, a kingdom culture. You gotta guard it. This was the constant theme that Paul, a spiritual father of Timothy, tried to invest and influence and impart into his spiritual son. I wanna just share just a few things that I've learned over the years. Been in ministry now for close to 18 years, learned a few different things and and just to echo some things that that Paul offered Timothy. And I wanna start just right at the end of 1 Timothy 6 and we're gonna travel into that second epistle to Timothy as well this morning. But if you look at verse 20 with me, it says, oh, Timothy. But right now I want you to fill in the blank with your name. So say, oh, whatever your name is, okay, ready? Can we do this on three? One, two, three, oh, your name, all right? Fill in the blank. He's talking to you, not the version of you you wanna be, not who others have acknowledged you to be, not the false narratives that maybe you've believed of yourself to be. You, right here, right now, he's saying, oh, you, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved away from the faith, Grace be with you. That's how he ends this letter to Timothy. All through this this book, all through this epistle, all through this letter, Paul's writing these safeguards for this young person going into ministry because he was just sent off to Ephesus. Saying, don't lose your deposit. Don't lose what describes you in Christ Jesus. Don't lose Christ in the midst of your ministry. Don't start serving the God of ministry and give up on the deposit that he's placed in you because it's really easy to do. We can start being defined by what we're doing rather than what's been deposited within us. You gotta guard it. 
With everything you got, guard the kingdom, the culture that Christ has deposited in you. Guard the gospel culture that he's entrusted into your life because he's done it. That's why you're here. That's why you're going through Bible school. That's why you are the most dangerous people on this campus, to echo Dr. Fred's words. We, can, we can't speculate that Timothy was cowardly necessarily or somehow lacked courage when it came to ministry. But we do see that he was a young person in ministry and there might have been some tendencies for him to, to maybe, maybe step back a little bit and not, not, not go after that thing with enthusiasm with the call of Christ upon his life. But we do know that Paul seemed to encourage this same theme through these two letters to this young guy. The beginning of this letter to Timothy, Paul tells Timothy the reason why this young man is in Ephesus for the first place, to communicate the true gospel and stop the false doctrines that were being circulated. You see, language creates culture. Language creates culture. And so the gospel culture that we're called to create, it starts by the language of the gospel. Paul entrusted Timothy to, to, to share the language of this kingdom culture and to do it with enthusiasm, to do it with courage, to do it with impact. If there were false doctrines being spread, a false gospel culture would be growing in the church. Paul's telling Timothy, guard that culture. Guard what's been entrusted to you. Guard the deposit that's been poured into your life. Because they're all related. They all connect to each other. Jesus has invested something into you, but there's a lot that will try to dip into that investment. You know, when you get out of Bible college, and you go where God's called you to go, whatever that might look like, whatever he's asking you to do, whatever that assignment is for you, do you know there's a lot that is gonna try to dip into the investment that God has placed on your life? There's gonna be a lot, a lot of different spiritual forces, a lot of people, a lot of circumstances and conditions in your life that's gonna try to dip into the deposit that's been placed on your life. Paul's saying, guard it. There's a lot they'll try to take what the good Lord has put into you. Don't lose what he's deposited. You're here for a reason. You're called to the greatest industry there is. That's the gospel. And I don't mean industry in the sense of a worldly interest industry. It's, it's, it's the father's business. It's a, the greatest vocation, the greatest opportunity, the greatest kingdom there is. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. You believe that there's a deposit Christ has put in you from his kingdom, for his kingdom. Do you believe that? You gotta believe that. That there's something that he has put in you. Whether you see it fully, whether you realize it or not, there's a grace on your life. Guard it. You gotta guard it. You can't lose it or tuck it away in a secret pocket. Quickly, I just wanna share a few thoughts that Paul had for Timothy through the through this here. The first one is not every battle needs to be fought. Some need to be avoided. Some need to be avoided. There's some battles that we fight. We go to our knees in prayer. We, we storm heaven for our loved ones, for their healing, amen? But there's some battles that need to be avoided. 
Sometimes we learn this the hard way. I was dealing with an individual years ago in our church um, that, uh, you know, they, they presented this ministry, and it was a good ministry. Actually, we, we'd been doing this ministry, and they kind of came in, and, and they were really excited about it. Um, but they wanted it to be the only thing that our church did. They wanted it to be the number one thing. According to this per- person, this, this was it. This individual time and time again told me that I was, I was actually preventing the work of God going forth <laughs> because I didn't breathe continually on this, this ministry and just kind of let them do what they wanted to do. He'd go off and he, he, would, he, he would get angry. He would, he would get red in the face. He, he would share on, 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 on how we're being used by the enemy because we weren't doing all what God wanted, what was telling him to do and, and all this kind of stuff and on and on. The funny thing was I, was, I was actually happy to really bless this ministry, even create ways to implement it through our ministry at the church, but it was never good enough for him. See, the real issue was this person elevated themselves above others, namely church leadership, with a puffed-up sense of knowledge. They could not be convinced otherwise. They wanted to control, not influence. And every time I I would walk away from that conversation with this individual, I'd be beaten down, bruised by the things that that this person just said, and I'd start to question that deposit that God put in my life. God, am I missing it? Am I I preventing something? I started to believe some of those things that this individual was saying and all of that kind of stuff until I started to learn that, guess what? i got to start to deposit what God's placed in my life because as a pastor, I'm creating a kingdom culture for our church I can't let it be taken I can't I can't let somebody come in and just rip that from me rip that from the life of the church because the church was was doing pretty good we were on mission we were on vision we were on track I was doing some pretty awesome things and yet I was being accused that I was being used by the enemy because I wasn't doing this person's thing wow See, some people gain traction when you get sucked into that type of toxicity. Paul says, guard, guard yourself from that knowledge, from babbling, from contradictions, and all of those kinds of things. But when, 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 you, don't, when, you, when you start to avoid that, when you, when, you don't, when you don't water that with your time or attention or your energy, I find that those voices, that knowledge, those things, they, they tend to fizzle out. You have to give energy to them. You don't have to give yourself to them. You know, Jesus is really good at walking away sometimes. If you look at, if you look at him through, through the Gospels, there's many times that Jesus walked away. Sometimes, sometimes I think, well, God, I can't do that. I mean, I'm the pastor. i got to confront these things. Sometimes he's like, no, you gotta, you got you to gotta walk away. you got to walk away. Paul's saying these people with this knowledge, activists, they're super spiritual. But God doesn't call us to be super spiritual. He calls us to walk supernaturally. That's different than super spiritually. We live in a place above others. We trade the supernatural culture that God wants to build for a super spiritual stuffiness that snubs out the work of God. We've got to be careful of that. We've got to be careful. We don't, we don't lose our deposit. Got to guard that. Got to guard that. Paul says in Romans 16, 17, and 18, I appeal to you to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus, but their own appetites. 
There's a lot of people that serve their own appetites. You've got to guard the deposit within you. I'm telling you right now, this might not be for right now, but it's going to be for later. You've got you to guard that. It's okay to avoid people who are addicted to contention. It's okay to, to avoid people in that way. Because guess what? You are called to echo heaven, not ditto earth. You're called to echo heaven. You're not, you're not called to be a ditto in this earth to do everything that this, this earth puts at you, even, even, even some, some of that false knowledge, even, even in the church. Not ditto all the chatter that this world is all in a tizzy about. Tune your ear to heaven and echo heaven's language here on this earth to create that culture that the Lord has placed in your life. Now there's some time between the end of this letter and the beginning of the next letter. It's about maybe five years. There's different, different thoughts on that, but a lot can happen in five years. Where are you going to be in five years? Where are you going to be in five years? Maybe, maybe you think you're going to be in, in ministry. Maybe you think you're going to be married. Maybe you think you're going to have kids. I don't know. Where are you going to be in five years? A lot can happen in five years. For Paul, he was now writing this letter to Timothy, this second letter, and you know this. He was writing from a Roman jail cell. And he knew things looked imminent here. He knew that it was going to be end really soon. He was going to get executed. He was going to get executed. He was in prison, and quite possibly he, he, he understood what was happening. But, but, but for Timothy, in this moment, he was still serving the church faithfully. But you know, ministry is not easy. It's not easy. Ministry is the hardest job in the world. It is. Not to scare you, but it is. You get very little credit. Maybe not the greatest pay. People turn on you because of their own stuff. People desert you. People hurt you. People misunderstand you. People misrepresent you, betray you. People don't always want to obey Christ and follow his ways, and you're scratching your head. Why not? Right? I mean, Paul knew this in ministry. Timothy was just getting to know this. He was now experiencing this. And even in Paul's suffering, the deposit that was in Paul was still being invested into Timothy. So Paul recaps his love as a spiritual father for Timothy and kind of goes in verse six of the first chapter of, of, of 2 Timothy. He says, remember, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Self-control. Paul starts right in where he left off five years ago with Timothy. You got a fan into flame, that deposit that's in you. You got something in you that's not of your own. It's from heaven. It's kingdom culture, a gift that's been placed inside. You got to be enthusiastic about it. It's okay to be excited with what God has put in your life. It's okay. It's okay to be joyful for the grace that the Lord has poured into your life. Don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. Stir up what you got. Don't compare it to someone else's deposit. Don't limit the grace God has given you, but be enthusiastic about that culture. I believe that, that, that Paul's kind of saying in, in the midst of this, activate what God's given you, but don't try to take what he's not. If I could, if I could tell you something today, this is, this is what I really want to really say. Don't try to reach for something that God has not given you. It doesn't work. 
doesn't work. You, you go through much more difficult things. Believe me. Believe me. Don't, don't try to reach for something that God has not given you. Wait. Wait on the Lord's timing. Ministry is not about being known. It's not about being recognized. It's not about everyone looking to you. It's about being faithful with that flame, with that flame that God has given you. That flame. That one flame can ignite a big fire, but you gotta tend to it. And there's way too many times that people, we're not guarding what God has given us because we're trying to take a shortcut or we're trying to do something that everybody else is doing in ministry. They, they put that torch, that flame down for a little bit to go do this, and when they get back, they realize that that flame has been all sizzled up. It's gone. It's gone. Wait for what God's given you. Develop what God's given you. You'll never be disappointed. When I try to make things happen, they fall flat. You know, as we heard even earlier, this past year's been a tough year, even a tough year for the church. But I think it's been a, a sifting year, to be honest. I think the Lord has, has done some separating out. I think it's a good thing as well. There's some, some purity that comes from that, some, some, some greater fruit that can come from that too. But I can remember this past year as we're going through all this stuff wondering how are we going to do church? Getting really creative week to week and all of this kind of stuff and, and just getting discouraged by everything that's going on, just seeing all the, the hard work that we had poured in these years and just being like, okay, it's all gone, right? And it's so discouraging. But I, I, remember, I remember the Lord put it on my heart to start to, to fan that flame again, even in the midst of the discouragement of the season, and I started praying prayers of new opportunities for our community. I didn't know what that was going to look like. But, but I, I haven't even shared this with my church yet. But tomorrow, tomorrow morning, I get, I, I get the chance to go down to our, our, our county's correctional facility. And, and, and at this place, they have over 300 employees there. They've asked me to be the chaplain there. So in a, in a year that, that, that our church, you know, we have a church of about 300 people, um, you know, just seeing that, you know, the numbers and all that kind of stuff, you know, seeing that double in a year of a pandemic, basically, me pastoring 300 more people. I had to go, they gave me an office. I can't believe it. Like, why do I need an office, right? But it's only because God, God has given that to me not reaching out for it, trying to do my own thing. God has given it because when you're faithful in the little, he's gonna extend more to you. Paul goes on in 2 Timothy 1, verses eight through 14, says, therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about the Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he's able to guard until the day what has been entrusted to me. I think Paul was preaching himself happy in that jail cell as he was writing that to Timothy. 
He knew what he had, and he knew the one that could guard even when he couldn't guard it himself. Simply put, suffering is a part of the equation. We're going to go through it. You can't avoid that. If you want to live out kingdom culture, you're going you, you, you're to you're have seasons of suffering. Christ called us and called us to, to a holy calling, not because of how great we are, because of his divine purposes, but even Jesus suffered. Even Jesus suffered. Paul's telling us here, listen, work from the deposit, not for a position. And Paul said he was a teacher, he was an apostle, he was a preacher and all that kind of stuff, but that, that didn't really matter. He was interested in that deposit, what God had entrusted to him. That was more important to him than the position, than the title. I want to encourage you the same. If anything, this past year, not long, just these last several months, we've kind of seen, seen some of that deposit being missed by those even at, in the church at large. We've seen, seen popular pastor down in New York City, one more pastor, Fall to sexual adultery, fidelity. Just think about, think about that. Here's a person that had pretty good recognition, and he fell. He fell. He fell. We're seeing things come out by another apologist of the faith. Real recently, after he passed away. Some of his immorality that's coming out. Wow. I think they started living in that gift and not really, not, not really, they're, they're going after a position, not, not the deposit that was given to them. Last one. It's not your ability that defines you, it's your record. It's your record. Your gifts and talents and skills can describe you, but it's not going to define you. It's your record that will speak for itself before Christ one day. Just in that parable, parable of the servants, that, that, that those that, that, that made money on the talents that were given, and then the one that went and dug a hole, dig the talent away. It was the record that approved them, that approved them. Jesus said, by your fruits, your record, you will be known. It's not by how gifted you are, but how faithful you are to God's call in your life to keep walking worthy of that call. Christ has called you to be faithful, and it's awesome to be excited about the things of God. It's awesome to stir things up in the Spirit. It's awesome to walk in that anointing, the power of God, but listen, all that can fall away if we're not walking faithfully with him. And I think the number one thing in the kingdom of God that represents the culture of the gospel is faithfulness. It's faithfulness. Faithfulness. So when God sees you, he sees more than just what you see. He sees an orchard in you. He sees a deposit that's been placed in that seed that seed doesn't just stay a seed. Once it's buried and died, it, can be, it has the potential to become an entire orchard. 
That's the culture, the kingdom that we represent. That's what he's placed inside of you, that deposit. And in God's kingdom, seeds or deposits, they're, they're bigger than mountains. Faith the size of a mustard seed can contend with the size of a mountain and win every single time. Every single time. That deposit that he's placed in you, the power of that seed can grow, can multiply, can represent this kingdom culture that he's placed in your life. But it's only gonna grow if you guard it, if you tend to it, if you take the time to be faithful, not trying to go after the shortcuts, not trying to go for recognition, not trying to live out of position, but live from the deposit that he's placed inside your life. And only grow if it's guarded. Only grow if it's guarded. You have treasure inside you. We have treasure in these jars of clay, he says. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. And he wants you to guard that. And in and, 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 and church today, I, I want to just ask you, I want to ask you that question. Have you been guarding it well? I know you're at Bible school. I know you have plans and dreams and hopes for what he's placed in your life. But you've been guarding that well. Been guarding that well. Are you allowing that deposit to flourish in your life? How that happens is you gotta die to yourself. There's no other way for an orchard to come out of a seed if that seed does not die. It's not about you, it's about Christ in you. That's the deposit. Are you guarding that deposit? Are you guarding it? Can we just stand right now? Sitting in this moment right now. As Paul imparted something to Timothy, I just wanna, I wanna do that today in this moment. And if you just believe, I want you to, to believe at least with the mustard seed size of faith right now. So could we just maybe extend our hearts and our hands to the Lord right now? Jesus, you already deposited something in each of these students' lives. You already poured something into their lives, and right now it's a seed. I mean, it's more than a seed, but God, you, you're doing something in that. You're doing something in that seed that, that you've placed in their life, that deposit. But Lord, it can only flourish, it can only go, it can only grow if we're faithful to guard it, if we're faithful to allow ourselves to be crucified with Christ, if we're faithful to deny ourselves daily, to pick up our cross, Jesus, that's what you called us to. You were faithful to the end and beyond. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that your kingdom and the culture that you came to give defined by faithfulness because even when we're faithless it says you are faithful and so Lord Jesus I pray I pray for the deposit that's in each and every one here today Lord I thank you I thank you for what you wanted to become and the purposes that you have upon the grace that is in each of these lives here today Lord, I pray that each of these seeds would come to fruition in Jesus' name. God, I pray 
that this group of young adults who are ready to do your will, who are sacrificing their lives for the sake of the gospel, Lord Jesus, I pray that you teach them in this season, in the days to come, what it looks like to guard what you've poured into their lives, Lord Jesus, so that they won't get ripped off later on by what the enemy tries to do to come and steal, kill, and destroy. Lord, I thank you that your kingdom is based on life and life abundantly. And so I pray that into each and every one here today, your life and life abundantly. Thank you, God. Thank you for the grace that you've poured into our lives. Let it extend to expand the culture of your kingdom on this earth. Let us be echoes of heaven, not dittos of earth. In Jesus' name, amen.